men were practicing that song this morning, and I told, boy, there's a lot of gospel in that song in there. Wasn't that good? All right, if you would, open your Bibles again with me to Matthew chapter 1, the passage Brother Gary just read for us. I've titled the message this morning, The Birth of Jesus Christ. I feel led this morning to bring a, a, birth, a message on the birth of Christ because it's just what's on everybody's mind at this time of year. Especially at this time of year, we hear, hear so much error about the, the birth of Christ, and especially to our children, but to all of us, I want, want to, to remind us and to establish us that what do the scriptures say about the birth of Christ? Now, I'll tell you this, I feel like this is important because men have made an idol out of the day. Tomorrow is not the birthday of the Lord Jesus. The taxing that brought Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem almost certainly did not take place at this time of year. Historians have actually placed the, the birth of Christ in all four different seasons of the year. Summer, and fall, winter, spring. And that just shows us nobody knows the date of Christ's birth. And I can assure you this, it's not December the 25th. Now, I know I say that and I sound kind of hard, but uh, those of you who know me know this. I love Christmas. I love Christmas. Our family had our Christmas yesterday and it took all day long, didn't it? We love Christmas. I am not anti-Christmas at all. I want every, I want y'all to celebrate, just have the most best time. It's the most wonderful time of the year. To be able to spend time with your family and have a, the opportunity to give gifts to each other and just enjoy spending time with each other. I mean, I love it. Uh, if you know me, you also know this about me. I love classic rock and roll and classic country music. And those stations I listen to at this time of the year play Joy to the World and Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Now that's a good thing. That's a good thing. They hear a lot of gospel and they hear Hark the Angels, Herald Angels Sing, don't they? But I want us to be aware of how this religious world has made an idol out of the day. It would surprise a lot of people, I bet, that the scripture never tells the church to celebrate the Lord's birth. Never. We're told to celebrate, to remember the Lord's death, aren't we? In the Lord's table. Every time we preach the gospel, we're to celebrate and remember his death. We preach Christ and him crucified. We're told to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. Every Sunday, we meet together on Sunday because Sunday, the first day of the week, that's the day that the Lord rose from the dead. Mark and John don't even record the Lord's birth. Now, all four of the, the evangelists record his death and his resurrection, but only two of them, his birth. Now, again, all that being said, I sure am thankful that the Lord was born as a, as a, as a man in Bethlehem, aren't you? There wouldn't be a man to obey the law for me as my representative unless Christ was born as a man. There'd be no man to suffer and die as my substitute, as my sacrifice, the sacrifice for my sin, if Christ wasn't born as a man. And the birth of Christ, it should always be a miracle that stirs our hearts. It's a miracle, the birth of Christ, God manifest in the flesh. I mean, like, Try to wrap your mind around that sometime. This is God Almighty, the eternal Father manifest in the flesh. 
That miracle, as far as I can think, is only rivaled by the death of Christ. But he couldn't die till he was born, could he? This baby that's born, that Mary wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger, is God in the flesh. Almighty God actually made himself flesh. A human being, the Son of God, became the Son of Man. Mm-mm-mm. Now God wasn't born, was he? God's eternal. God was given. The child was born. And the Son was given. The Son of God became the Son of Man. Now that's a miracle. But here's a greater miracle. All that happened so that God would accomplish something. So that he would accomplish the salvation of his sinful people. The Son of God humiliated himself to become a babe of days, the Son of Man, so that he could save his people from their sin. It's no wonder God's church loves to sing joy to the world. Joy to the, the Savior appeared in the flesh so that he could put away my sin. Now verse 18 in our set text says that the Lord was born on this wise. And that word means in the manner that follows. The manner of our Lord's birth tells us the reason that he came. And that's the very important lesson that I want us to get this morning. The reason that the Son of God became the Son of Man. Number one is this. This is the manner of the Lord's birth. He is born on this wise. He is born of a virgin. Matthew 1 verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, She is found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Now Mary and Joseph, a young couple, were engaged to be married. The word espoused means a souvenir. Joseph had given Mary some sort of souvenir, token for their engagement, maybe a a ring, maybe something else. I, I don't know what they did at that time, but they were engaged to be married. And before they were married, Mary came and told Joseph, I'm pregnant. Now look over at Luke chapter one. I'm sure that she came and she told Joseph exactly What the angel told her. Luke chapter 1. Beginning in verse 28. An angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be? seeing I know not a man. 
And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also, that holy thing, the angel didn't even know what to call the Lord, the embryo in the womb, that holy thing, which shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. Now, Mary came and told Joseph. She recounted this, this conversation. She said, an angel appeared to me one day and told me this. Would you believe her? I mean, Mary had a hard time believing it. Did she? How could this be? Would you believe? I mean, somebody came and told you, well, the angel came and told me God's going to be born. Well, apparently Joseph didn't believe her either. And, and really, you, you can't blame him. You know, I mean, who ever heard of this, such a thing? A virgin being pregnant? The Holy Ghost conceiving a, a baby in the, in, the, in, in the womb? Who ever heard of such a thing? But all Joseph knew for certain was this. He wasn't the father. So according to Jewish, Jewish law, Joseph had three choices. He could privately give Mary a bill of divorcement. He would have to have two or three witnesses. They'd be his very close friends who, who would not publicize this thing. And he could just handle this quietly. Or second, he could make Mary a public example. He could have her stoned to death. Just like those men, remember, brought that woman to the Lord and said, we caught this woman in the act of adultery, in the very act. While Moses said we should stone her, what, what do you say? That was one of Joseph's choices. Or third, Joseph could marry her anyway. Now, at least at first, it seems like that Joseph didn't feel like he could marry her. And you understand that. I mean, he felt betrayed. His, his feelings were, were, were probably hurt. He didn't believe her. He thought she was lying to him, you know. And So he decided he's going to just privately, just handle this thing as quietly as he can and privately divorce her. See, rather than expose Mary to humiliation and expose her to be punished or be stoned to death, he determined, well, I'm going well, to try to do is just cover her sin you know, the best that I can and, and handle this thing quietly. You know, I read about these characters, these men and women in Scripture, and I'm just sure of this. I, I think Joseph is a fellow I'd like. Don't you think you'd like him? He wasn't a haughty, self-righteous, religious person, you know. He was just trying to do the right thing, kindly and, uh, and quietly. Now, while Joseph was thinking on these things, this is how he first thought about them. Joseph changed his mind. He changed his mind, didn't he? Because while he was thinking on these things, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. And that angel told Joseph the good news of the gospel. The gospel that we preach today. The angel said, Mary certainly is pregnant. And just as surely, she's a virgin. See, Mary wasn't pregnant by me. She's pregnant by the Holy Ghost. The baby that was conceived in her womb, the womb of a woman, a real live woman, daughter of Adam. The Holy Ghost conceived that baby in her womb. And that makes that baby the God man. The God man. And that is so important for us to understand. The Savior was born without the help of Adam's sinful seed. He wasn't conceived of a father from Adam's sinful seed. If he was, he would have partaken in Adam's guilt and Adam's sin because he would have descended from, from Adam. And if that was the case, he'd be just another Jesus. But since he is born without the seed of a human father, but he was conceived by the Holy Ghost, now the Lord Jesus didn't partake in Adam's sin and Adam's guilt. 
That makes Jesus of Nazareth the only sinless baby to ever be born. He had no original sin. He wasn't born from Adam's sinful seed. So he had no original sin. And it was impossible for him to commit sin because he's God. He's holy. And that makes him the only possible savior of sinful men and women like us. He's the sinless sacrifice. Now I'm telling you, that's worth celebrating. That's worth being happy about. Salvation would not be possible unless Christ was born as a man. There'd be no gospel for us to believe. There'd be no good news for us to tell. You know, the angels came and said, oh, don't fear. Don't fear, I got good news for you. Same thing we preach today. Oh, I've got good news. But there would be no good news if Christ wasn't born as a man. And he was. See, that angel, that night he appeared to Joseph in a dream. He revealed the gospel to Joseph. Now, how did he do that? By revealing the person of the gospel. The person of the gospel. This baby who's going to be born is so important. If you know him, you have eternal life. If you know him, you'll understand all the mysteries of the gospel of God's grace. If you know him, if he's so important. He's born of a virgin. Well, second, the Lord Jesus was born on this wise. He was born for a specific person or, or reason, excuse me. Verse 21. And she should bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sin. Now the Lord Jesus was born for this specific purpose. To save his people from their sin. Now who are his people? Who is it that he came to save? What's the elect of God? It's all that the Father gave unto, gave to him in the covenant of grace to, to come to save. It's all those people he talked about in John 17. About those whom he has given me. That's God's elect. And Christ came. To save every last one of them. And even before he was ever born in the flesh. There was no doubt. He would do what he came to do. The angel didn't say. He's going to try to save some people from their sin. He didn't say he's going to try to save as many people out of the world. as He said he shall. He shall. Without any doubt. Save his people from their sin. Now, if you're a sinner who needs saving, that'll get your attention. <laughs> that'll make you, your heart start feeling some hope. There's a Savior born for sinners. And the angel told Joseph, same thing that the angel told Mary, you call his name Jesus. Now, Jesus is the name of our Lord's humiliation, the, Lord, the, the name of his humanity. And you know what? It's the only name he could be given. Jesus. And you might ask, well, I mean, why? What's such a big deal? What's in a name? Well, the Lord's name reveals his character, who he is, what he'll do. His name tells us who he is. His name, Jesus. You know what that name means? Savior. Savior. He came to be the Savior. He was born on this wise, for this purpose, to be the Savior of sinners. And his name is so vital. There's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You know, if you know that name, you must be saved. If you believe on him, you must be saved. 
That's how important his name is. You know, Jesus is the New Testament name for the Old Testament name, Joshua. Who Christ is, what he would accomplish, was foretold, pictured, prophesied all throughout the Old Testament. One of those times was a man named Joshua. He was Moses' right-hand man. Joshua, he was with Moses when Moses led the people out of out of Egypt. He led them to the promised land. Joshua was one of those spies that came in to, to the land. And he came back and said, we can take it. God's given it to us. Well, you know the story. Moses ended up not being able to bring the people into the promised land. He couldn't do it. Because Moses represented the law. God gave the law through Moses. Moses, the law, can't save anybody. Moses can't bring people into the land of rest. The law doesn't give any rest, does it? So Joshua, who represents the Lord Jesus Christ, the captain of our salvation, he brought the people into the promised land. The Lord killed Moses. buried The angel buried his body or however that happened, buried him, you know. And once Moses, the law, was out of the way, Joshua led the people into the promised land. He led them into Canaan as a picture of Christ saving his people and bringing his people into a land of rest. The law is out of the way. Salvation's in Christ. And that's what's pictured for us. You and I can never have salvation by our law keeping. Our only hope of salvation, our only hope that our sin could ever be put away, our only hope of rest is in the Son of God. Mary's virgin-born son who came to save sinners. That's his name. And his name is so important. He came to save his people from their sin. He came to deal with this matter of sin. Our sin that has separated us from our God. The Lord Jesus did not come to be a reformer. He didn't come to try and change the way people live. He didn't come to change people's doctrine. He didn't come to change the the mode that people worship in. He did not come to be an example to show us how to live. So everybody could wear these wristbands and what would Jesus do? Well, it doesn't really matter. You can't do what he'd do anyway. Christ didn't come to be a healer to heal people from their sin. Now, he healed or from their diseases. He healed people from plenty of physical diseases, didn't he? To show he had the power to do it. But he always did it as a picture of the reason that he came. To save his people from their sin. To save his people from the power of sin. From the condemnation of sin. From the suffering of sin. And Christ saved his people from their sin. As a man. See a man was born. Under the law. And he lived a perfect life of obedience to that law. His obedience is the righteousness of his people. Just like Adam sinned. Adam's disobedience, that's our unrighteousness, isn't it? Because we were in him. When he sinned, we did too. God's people were in Christ doing what he did. When he obeyed the law, we did too. His obedience is our righteousness. And after a life of perfect obedience, he did no sin. He didn't even know when he sinned. He wasn't even acquainted with any sin. He went to the cross. He wasn't just stoned to death. He didn't have his head chopped off. He went to the cross. A cursed death. He went to the cross to save his people in justice. 
He went to the cross showing that Christ had become the substitute for his people. He took the sin of his people and he made it his. He made it so that he was guilty of that sin and he died under the curse of the law because he'd been made guilty of the sin of his people. Christ died. This perfect man, the sinless sacrifice, he was born for this purpose, to die. That's why he was born. To die to satisfy God's justice against the sin of his people. And by his precious blood, by his perfect life, put all of the sin of all of his people away. His precious blood, the only sinless blood that ever flowed on this earth, paid the debt for all of his people. If Christ died for you, you cannot be found guilty of any sin. If Christ died for you, you must be saved. Joy to the world. The Lord's come. He's come to save his people from their sin. And I'm telling you, he got the job done. He's the successful savior of sinners. The angel said he shall save his people from their sin. And he did that exactly. Now this is good news. He didn't make his people savable. He didn't make it so somebody's savable if they decide to accept him. Or if they decide to do something else. He didn't make his people savable. Clark, he saved them. <laughs> he saved them. He did it all by himself. He didn't try to save anybody. He didn't sacrifice himself trying to save as many people as might ever decide to, you know, to come to him. He saved his people from their sin by putting it away forever. He didn't come to offer salvation to anybody. Christ did not die on the cross as an offer to you. Don't you feel sorry for him? Won't you accept him because you feel so sorry for him? He's, he's offering himself to you. No, he's not. He offered himself to the Father. And the Father accepted that sacrifice so that Christ saved his people from their sin. And I'm telling you, He's going to come in by his spirit. He's going to take that salvation and he's going to put it in you so that you believe him, so that you love him, so that you have eternal life. And none of that was possible unless he was born as a man and laid in Bethlehem's manger. All right, number three. Christ Jesus was born on this wise, in this manner, as the eternal Savior Verse 22 says, now all this was done. Here's the purpose. That all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Now God the Holy Spirit moved the prophets of old to fill the Old Testament scriptures with prophecies. Pictures and types of Christ who would come. Genesis 3.15 I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head. Thou shalt bruise his heel. Christ came, the seed of woman. Now he's finally come. The first time Eve gave birth to a son, she said, I've gotten the man. She thought this was the one. They knew, they were looking for this man to come. Well, it wasn't him, was it? But about 4,000 years later, he came, the seed of woman. And you know what he did? 
He crushed Satan's head. He crushed Satan's power to be able to accuse God's people. He can't, I mean, he'll, he'll accuse, but he can't make any charge stick, can he? Because the blood of Christ has washed it away. David wrote this in Psalm 40, verse 7. Then said I, lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. Now you know good and well David wasn't writing about himself. He was writing of Christ who would come. Christ is going to come. And he's going to establish righteousness for his people. As a man made under the law, he's going to obey the law for his people to make his people righteous. Look at Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah wrote of this. Seven or eight hundred years before Christ was born, this is what Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And that's exactly what happened, didn't it? A virgin gave birth to a son and called his name Emmanuel. God with us. God in the body of a human being is dwelling with us so that he can save his people from their sin. Look over page Isaiah chapter 9. Verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there should be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The Son of God came in the flesh. The child was born and the Son was given. And in his zeal, in his determination to please his Father, to to establish a perfect righteousness, in his zeal to suffer and die as a sacrifice for his people, his zeal. He set his face like a flint toward Jerusalem and he would not turn from it. You know why? So he could go to Jerusalem and do what he came here to do. To suffer and die. To accomplish the salvation of his people. Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ. There can be no doubt about it. Just by reading the scriptures. By reading the Old Testament scriptures. You see he he fulfilled every prophecy concerning the Messiah. That tells me he's the eternal Savior. And that fills my heart with with hope. That Almighty God did not determine to save a people through the law and they messed it up so they had to come up with plan B. No. God knew that Adam would fall. He always, that was his purpose. God purposed for Adam to fall so that his son would be glorified. And saving a people out of Adam's fallen race. The Lord Jesus Christ is the eternal Savior. He's the eternal Savior. Without beginning, without ending, God's not going to change his mind. He's the eternal Savior. 
Now, I hate my sin. I wish that I'd never sin again. But when I do, here's a good hope. This is the eternal Savior. God's not going to change His mind. When our Lord Jesus fulfilled every Old Testament prophecy of the Messiah, He showed us He is God's salvation. Now you look to Him. You trust Him. The God-man came to do exactly what He came to do with this purpose, to save His people from their sin. And that's the message that Joseph heard. And you know what hearing that message did? It changed everything that Joseph planned to do with the rest of his life. He was obedient. He heard that message. He was obedient. He married. He took Mary to, to be his wife. He didn't know her until she had uh, conceived, the, until that baby was, was brought forth. And he called the child Jesus. He didn't name him Abraham. He didn't name him Isaac. He didn't name him Jacob. He, didn't, he named him Jesus. In obedience. Because that's what God told him to do. Look back here at our text. Matthew 1. Then Joseph. Verse 24. After he heard this message from the angel. Being raised from sleep. He did. As the angel of the Lord had bidden him. And took unto him his wife. And knew her not. Till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. He called his name Jesus. Savior. Because he believed. This baby is God's salvation. And seven days later, he was not surprised to hear Simeon say the same thing. Because he already knew it. Because that's what God told him. Now you see, there's such joy in the birth of Christ. I know that the Savior was not born on December 25th. I know. But I don't mind people singing about it. I don't. I, 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 I have a problem with a lot of things that they do, but... I don't have a problem with people thinking about the birth of Christ because there'd be no salvation for any sinner unless the Son of God was born as a man. He took on Him flesh. He took on Him the likeness of human flesh to be our substitute. And He came and He fully accomplished the salvation of all of His people. That's what He did. Now, let me close by telling you this. This is who he is. This is why he was born. I, I tell you, come to him. Now, don't come to a baby in a manger. No, we're, we're not coming to a baby in a manger. We're not. All that is is an idol. That's all that is. It's an idol. Don't come to a baby in a manger. You come to Christ on the cross. The one who suffered and died on the cross was buried and rose again. You come to Him and you beg Him for mercy. You beg Him for salvation. You trust Him to be all of your righteousness because He's the one that's accomplished it. He's the only one who could ever accomplish salvation for any sinner. Now, if you've been around here very long, you already know this. Every person in this room knows this. We preach here the truth of God's electing love. It's, it's, it's all through the Bible. God's electing love. Before time began, the Father chose a people to save and He gave those people to His Son to save. And those people, and only those people, shall be saved. No chance one of them will perish. Not a single solitary chance because it's God's purpose to save them. Now that's the truth of God's electing love. 
But don't you ever use the truth of God's electing love as an excuse not to come to Christ. Don't you do it. Don't you say, well, I don't know if I'm one of the elect, so I'm not going to come to Christ. If I'm one of the elect, I'll be saved no matter what I do, so I'm not going to do nothing. Don't you ever think that. That's stinking thinking. Don't do that. You come to Christ because you're a sinner. You come to Christ because you're a sinner, and Christ came to save sinners. You come to him. You come to him because he's the only hope you got of salvation. You come to him as a guilty sinner that needs forgiveness. And I'm telling you this, based upon the word of God, he'll forgive you. He will. You come to Christ as a filthy sinner who needs to be washed from your sin, and he'll cleanse you. That's what this book says. He'll cleanse you. Wash you white as snow. You come to him as a dead sinner that needs life, and this book says he'll give it to you. You come to Christ because you are a helpless sinner. You come to him. You come to him begging for mercy. And you're going to find out right quick. Oh, God chose me first. Oh, now I see. Now I see I came to Christ because he was drawing me with an everlasting love. He chose me first and drew me. He's been drawing me to him all along. Now I see. Now I see. The best reason that I can think of for a sinner to come to Christ is in our text this morning. He shall save his people from their sin. I hope that's been a, a blessing and, and uh, been good instruction. And I hope you all have a merry, merry Christmas. I just want you to have the best Christmas ever. Just enjoy time with your family. And, and uh, uh, I, just, I just want the, the very best for you. All right, let's bow together. Our Father, it's with awe and wonder that we come before your throne. We can't even find the words to express our thanksgiving, our, our awe, our wonder, our joy at the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You would never will understand why the Son of God would love such sinful people as we are and come to save us and sacrifice himself for us. Father, how we thank you. Our thanks is not sufficient. Our praise is not sufficient. But Father, we thank you. And we praise your matchless name. Father, I pray you'd use this word as it's been preached this morning for your glory. That you would show each of us here this morning your glory. And cause us to flee to Christ. For it's in his precious name. For his sake we pray. Amen.